hear me now? You're waving at me at the back. Okay, cool. It's just what we needed when we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, we're going to read from John uh, 17. We're in the Gospel of John, so if you want to turn there, uh, you can do. That's no, fine. And uh, the discourse here that Jesus is having with the disciples actually starts in John chapter 13. Uh, in the at the beginning of John chapter 13, uh, he washes the disciples' feet in the upper room. And this is the same part of the same discourse and it, uh, or conversation that they're having and, and teaching that Jesus is giving. Uh, and uh, interestingly, as uh, would have it in the bay, many of the words we've already mentioned in worship are, are, are mentioned in this passage here. The word unity comes up here uh, towards the end. This idea of intimacy um, comes here. And then uh, Sheldon was saying about overcoming the world. Uh, and actually that's taken from the, the verse just prior to this, which is 1633, which says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he finishes on, on this moment, and, and, and Jesus is knowing where this is going to end for him. He knows that he is going towards death. He knows that his hour is about to come. And, uh, and actually in chapter 18, Jesus is arrested, and that passage begins, that uh, uh, moment, of that, that time begins. And very often a teacher or, or, or a rabbi who was well known, um, when they were leaving or when they were departing or if they felt death was imminent, they would have uh, what's called this like final kind of message, this final uh, teaching uh, and, uh, and, or final words. And very often in those final words, um, they would have a departing prayer, a departing prayer that they would leave. Now, you are much better than me, I'm sure, but I certainly have never taught on this passage before. Um, and there are elements of reading this John chapter 17 when I felt like, wow, I'm not sure I even have heard this. Or, I, you know, when you read something and it feels new to you, I'm sure I've read it, um, but it came new to me. Um, I was having a long conversation um, about a different sermon that I was going to preach, clearly with myself and not with God, which was fantastic. And then I came to prepare and then this passage just leapt out at me. Um, so this week is a follow on from last week, if you were with us last week. This is kind of don't waste your fast part two, okay? So don't waste your fast. And, so, yeah, and this is interesting, right? People are getting Martin and I confused. We're both short, we're both white, and we both preach. I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. But we've been asked whether we're brothers. And he was complimented in the week for something that I did. <laughs> he messaged me and just said, oh, I just got complimented for something you did. I'm really like, so, you know, you must we are not the same person. This is two different people that are preaching now. Um, we're both Baptists originally. It's weird. I understand that. I understand that's weird for you guys. I understand that. Um, so I'm going to need to grow my hair out or something like that. Um, but uh, where was I? John chapter 17. So, so we uh, fly into uh, Don't Waste Your fa Fast Part 2. And Don't Waste Your Fast Part 1 was about wrestling with God. And Part 2 is about intimacy with God. That when you fast, you will be drawn into an intimacy with God. You, you literally, in the hunger pain, you, you are reminded what you are doing. At that moment when you want to turn the TV on, if you're fasting TV, or you're, you, you're reminded of what you are doing. Whenever it is, whatever it is you're fasting, and we've been encouraged to make some of that food. I work in a bakery most of my week. I want to tell you that hunger pain comes very, very quickly when you smell fresh bread. To make it worse, I deliver it and take it to places. Uh, and so I'm driving around trying to, to uh, fast while smelling fresh baked goods the whole day. Right? 
it's hard. It's hard. And you feel, and so what I was taught when I was younger, when you fast and you feel that hunger come up in you, use that as a prayer, as an opportunity to pray. So you engage with this intimacy with the Lord. I want to ask you just one thing right up front, and I don't want you to answer it quickly. I don't want you to, in your heart, just jump to a quick answer. I want to ask you this. Do you love Jesus? And if you've been a believer for a while, do you still love Jesus? Do you still love Jesus? I remember the moment when I was challenged reading about, I remember exactly where I was. I remember the Bible I had in my hand. I remember God in my quiet time encouraging me, tell Jesus that you love him. Strange, isn't it? Not much I can I haven't got a great memory, to be honest with you. There's teachers that taught me for a whole year of my life, and I don't even know their names. <laughs> it's true. I've got a very, very bad memory. But yet I remember being at home, exactly where I was, exactly where I was, when, when I was challenged by the Lord to say to Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Yes, I've come to the point in my discipleship where I'm ready to say to you, Jesus, I love you. Here, we have a window on the int- of Jesus praying, and we have a window on his intimacy with the Father, and then Jesus himself prays for you. I want you to know that. I want you to know that in this scripture, Jesus himself prays for you. So, that, so I, I would say to us that we need to be challenged by those words, because Jesus clearly had you in mind when he was praying those words. So we, we fly in at the beginning, and we haven't got time to, to not fly in. So we fly in in, in John uh, chapter 17. Uh, we've just heard, take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked towards the heaven and prayed. So he's either giving them deliberately his final prayer, or we have got his departing prayer, or we've got a window into the intimacy of prayer. We are not just told Jesus withdrew himself and prayed. We have his prayer. We have a window into his prayer. Um, Father, the time has come, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Of all the things to say at that moment, of all what must be in his heart that is to come, his primary concern is that he may be glorified. Why? That he may glorify the Father. He clearly is, is, is knowing that his time is going to come where he's going to go back in full glory. And it shows you the vulnerability of Jesus whom created the whole earth to leave heaven and to come to earth. Then looks back or looks up, looks towards heaven and says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Just pause here. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you. That's eternal life. That, that they may know you. That you may know God the Father. That you may understand Jesus the Son. That you may live in unity with the Spirit. That is eternal life. When you depart from here, you'll be restored to all things as they should have been. That we will know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit face to face as a man would know his friend. That is when, we, when Jesus is talking about eternal things, it's those relationships that he's talking about. That they may know you, the only true God. Go back to what Sheldon said. You'll worship something. You will worship something. People that decide to tell you they don't worship, they don't praise God, they will worship something. They will find something to put their affection towards. That's the way we are wired. That, you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth. 
by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. You hear the tender intimacy between Jesus and his Father. You hear the tender unity. Now, just hold on to that because later that's going to become very important for you personally. So just hold on to that intimacy that you've heard because Jesus moves on to pray for his disciples. I've revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. This is primarily what it means to become a disciple of Jesus, that you have accepted that Jesus Christ is Lord. They have accepted that Jesus is God. They have said in their heart, they have decided with their lives, God, I present to you my disciples. He's not talking about everybody here. He's talking about his disciples, his specific disciples that are in it. I present them to you, Lord. They have been tested and have shown that they know that Jesus is Lord. Um, it's critical. If you tell me you're a Christian, you can't be born a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're born in a Christian nation. I don't even know what a Christian nation is anymore nowadays. It doesn't matter there. You must have come to a decision in your heart that declares Jesus is Lord. What does that word mean? It means that you are saying Jesus is God. That he has the keys over life and death. That he will be judge of God the Father when it comes to judgment day. This is what it means. This is what he is saying here. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. He's being very specific. Does that mean he doesn't love the world? No. John himself wrote, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But he's being very specific. I'm not praying for the world at this moment, Lord. Um, God, but for those who you've given me, for they're yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. Jesus is one with the Father. Understand that. The scripture is clear. Jesus is at one. They are at peace with each other. There isn't a competition here that's going on between them. Jesus isn't boasting to God. They're just at one. They're just communing. That is what they're doing. They're just, and glory has come to me uh, through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in, the still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. What is God's prayer for the disciples? That they may be one as we are one. How are they one? Intimately, tenderly. They know, we know that from the, the verse before, that there is this intimacy between them. Uh, and now we are told that the disciples have entered into that intimacy or, or being encouraged to enter in. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name, that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world anymore and than I am of the world. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you are, you are not of the world anymore. You are taken from the world in that sense. You are living in accordance to a different kingdom. You have decided to walk in a different direction. You are noticeably different. There is something about you even that others will dislike, that others will hate, that others will, 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 will mock, that others will scorn. We are clearly told that. They're not of the world, even, though I, uh, um, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. That means make them holy. Make them holy by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that, we too, that they too may be truly sanctified. Press your pause button there 
You've heard all of that that has been said. You've understood it. But in a sense, it hasn't been about you. In a nice way. It's been about God the Father. It's been about Jesus. It's been about the disciples. Then it comes to being about you and me. Just listen. Just pause. Because this stunned me. I've just got to tell you. This literally stopped me in my tracks from preparing a totally different sermon and said, no, no, this is actually where we need to be today. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. We are those who believe in Jesus and God, and Jesus as God, and understanding of the Father, the Son, and and, and the Spirit. We are those who believe through the message of the disciples. We are those that they're speaking about. Here, this is the point where Jesus is praying about us then. So alert your ear to this, because it's critical. It's so important that all of them may be one. That idea of unity, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, we've heard this before, and I am in you, may they also be in us. May we also be caught up and be in this relationship. May we also be caught up and be in this intimacy. May we also understand and know God face to face. May we also understand that we can be friends with God. May we be caught up in this idea of unity with one another to such an extent that knowing God and being close to Jesus and being face to face with Jesus is one of the most important things that we give our lives to. It is critical as we fast that we don't miss the point that we are called to pray and to draw in and draw intimate with Jesus. It's critical. So of course the enemy would throw things at you. You're not worthy to come that close to Jesus. Of course you would throw ideas. No, not with sin that's in your life. You're not. You couldn't do that. Not with your past. Not with your background. Not where you're from. Of course you would throw that. But Jesus himself has prayed that we would come into that intimate relationship with God. Through the grace that we receive by Jesus Christ dying on the cross, we have access to boldly approach the throne. We have access to an intimate relationship with Jesus. We have access when we yearn in prayer for him to hear our prayer. When you pray, when you pray, Jesus says, not are you going to pray, when you pray and when you fast. It's critical as believers we don't miss this this element that these two things wedded together. I want to tell you, don't waste your fast by not drawing in intimate prayer with Jesus. Don't waste your fast by not drawing into an intimate place with Jesus. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? Why? Why would it make a difference that we are in complete unity unity in such a way? Why does that intimate relationship make a difference? Why? Because it lets the world know that you sent me. And you have loved and, and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we are so caught up in Jesus and we are such an intimate relationship with God, when we understand in such depth who God is, when we look so different that the world begins to hate us, people look at us and go, Jesus must be the Son of God. That's what happens. That, that is the result here of what we are being told. The result of this is that people will look at you and know that, that these are people that have been sent by God. I preached this same sermon on Friday night. On Friday night, I was in the middle of Manenberg. And I know some of you are like, sure, that's a long way for a guy from London to go into the Cape Flats. 
I was at a gathered meeting with some young people that are currently in a drug rehabilitation program in Manenberg. Now, if people talk about Cape Town and they talk about dangerous parts in Cape Town, I often hear Manenberg. Right? I'm in Manenberg with guys that are, are coming through a drug rehab program with Christians and they are so full of the love of God and the intimacy of God that during worship they are face flat on the floor, arms outstretched, praising the Lord. That makes me think that Jesus is God. It really does. It really makes me understand that Jesus transforms lives. When they start praying for people afterwards and they go down in the spirit full of laughter, full of joy, that makes me understand that Jesus is God. When they come up to me at the end and hug me and say, thank you, brother, for the word. Thank you. That so refreshed my heart. As I pray this week during my recovery, it's going to be helpful to me. That makes me understand that Jesus is Lord. Because I see that they are one with the God. I see that through grace they have entered into the relationship with God. So I go back to my primary question. Do you love Jesus? Has your heart gone hard? Do you love Jesus more this year than you loved him last year? Have you pressed into Jesus more in this last week than you did in the week before? Because the scriptures are clear that our hearts can harden. And the call for us as believers is to keep a soft heart. I I wish I could sit with you and almost hear this myself and not have to be the one that preaches it. Because I know there are times in my life where my heart goes hard. Where I have a resistance to the things of God. Where I have a resistance to, to prayer. Where I have a, an inbuilt seeming resistance. I, I, I cry out with Paul, I want to do the things I know I should do, but for some reason I don't do them. I want to encourage you even further than that. I'll finish first, and then I'll get on to that. The, the world that you've loved me. Either. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and I want to be with you. I, I just say that as a response back. Jesus wants me to be with him? Well, then flip, I want to be with him. Like, I want to be where he is. Very simply, like sometimes we overthink the Bible. Like, thank you, Lord. I want to be with you too. Thank you. Amen. And see my glory? Yes, I want to see the glory. I, I want to share in that glory. Jesus said we can share in his glory. Then I want to share in that glory. I'm, I'm all in. I'm happy with that. No problem here from me. No complaints. Everybody in the church is like, yes, me too. The glory you've given me before you because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus himself prayed for you. If that doesn't reassure you enough, I want to take you to somewhere else. Not only did Jesus himself pray, pray for you, I want you to know that in, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, we are told this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. This is Paul writing itself. I love the honesty here. We actually don't know what we ought to pray for. I love that the, the writers of the Bible themselves are happy to say we struggle with prayer. The disciples were happy to come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. The writer said, we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words 
cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Therefore, not only did Jesus pray for you, the Spirit that is within you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, cries out on your behalf. We'll give you words, we'll give you heavenly language, we'll give you groans, we'll give you utterances. That is what it is, yes, to pray in tongues. And I want to say that is what it is, yes, for the Spirit of God to go deep into your heart and to understand the depth sometimes of the things that you can't pray. And some of you will know, some of you actually have gone to that place where the pain is so much that you don't have the words. You know you should pray, but you don't have the words. When the problem is so big that you know you need to pray, but you don't have the words. It is then when the Spirit is having a 24-hour prayer meeting in your heart. It is then when your heart is crying out to God. Just to encourage you further. I hear the front row is encouraged, but the back row is not with me yet. Just to encourage you further so we get the whole church on board here. Not only did Jesus pray for you. Not only is the Spirit of God within you crying out in groans and and giving this commune constantly with the Father. Your prayers, according to Revelation chapter 8, because it mentions the saints again. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. This is the altar before the throne in heaven. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. You heard that praise like, oh, my prayers were just hitting the ceiling. Never mind the ceiling. Never mind the ceiling. When you pray, it goes before the throne. Don't worry about your prayer hitting the ceiling. That's a nonsense phrase. It's a nonsense phrase. Your prayers actually won't hit the ceiling. They went directly to the throne. When we press into an intimacy of God then, if my theology is correct and I've read the scriptures before you and I'm trying to understand them with you, Jesus wants us to commune with him and the Father with an intimacy that they have. In the same way they are one, Jesus wants to invite us into this relationship. If we've then understood the Spirit that we know when we are baptized in the Spirit, when we ask for the Spirit to fill us, when we ask for an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are asking for a prayer meeting to kick off in our heart. We are asking for the Spirit in, within us to intercede for us on our behalf when we are lost for words. And then if we've understood Revelation correctly, the place where, we, where our prayers end up when we pray, because we are the saints that are gathered here in Musenberg this morning. When we pray this morning, those prayers are offered before the throne in heaven. Therefore, when we say we are coming to prayer and fast, don't waste your fast because your fast is calling for an intimacy in prayer between you and Jesus. It's asking for an intimacy in prayer between you and the Spirit. It's asking for an intimacy in prayer between you and God the Father that it will go before it. The cheap thing that you will be offered, that which Kathleen spoke about earlier, the trade-off that you will be offered is this, to just simply come and become a consumer. Just come and be a consumer. I actually don't think the devil minds some people sitting in church. He's had them sitting there for years and they've done nothing with it. Doesn't mind. Not bothered. In fact, he could send them to a few other churches. Not bothered. In fact, that's maybe what, what his plan would be. To make them so disgruntled with every single one they go to that they hop from one to the other to the other to the other to the other until they get to the stage where all they do is listen to people that they like. And they don't even listen to people that they like. They listen to parts of the bits they like, and then they go to another person for parts of the bits that they like or the other person says. 
The trade-off there is not to have that intimacy of coming into community and writing this out in community, but simply to become a consumer. Alan Hirsch writes this, you cannot build a church on consumers. They'll desert you at a moment's notice because they have no commitment beyond the meeting their own needs. Jesus can take 12 disciples and build a movement that changes the world. You can never do that with consumers. Don't trade off an intimacy with the Father with the cheap imitation that it would be to be a consumer. You're called into a relationship. You're called into an intimate relationship with God. You're not called for a functional transaction here. This is about relationship. This isn't a functional transaction. Like when you go and buy airtime, you pay the money, they give you the airtime. God isn't a magic slot machine in the sky when you come to pray. That you pray in a certain way or in a certain idea or thing. You put your money in, you pull the thing down and then boom, the answer to prayer comes out at the bottom. That is not what you are being called to. You are being called to be wedded into a community of believers in an area that come together for one another, that come with such an intimacy and a love for one another. The scripture says, how will we know the disciples of Jesus? They are known by their love. They are known by their love. Therefore, when we are in intimate relationship with one another, we show the world that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead to sit at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says. Consumers can't do that. They can't do that. If you come, you've come for a functional relationship, they have not come for an intimate relationship with Jesus. The Hebrew notion for knowing God encompasses experience and intimacy, which leads to obedience and love. You are called to an experience of intimacy that will mean that it becomes a joy for you. Prayer in this instance doesn't become a duty, it becomes a gift. It becomes a gift. You are given the gift of God. You are given the gift of being able to commune with God. You are given the gift of being able to fall in love with one another to such an extent that it impacts the world that is around us. Jesus himself would pray for you this morning. But the question is this. Are you still in love with Jesus? Have you spent enough time with him? that would realistically result in the relationship where you know you are beginning to grow in being at one with the Father, at one with Jesus, at one with the Spirit that is within you. I've written four things during the worship. Shortcuts won't work. They aren't shortcuts to intimacy. I saw on an advert online, um, I think it's on Facebook or something, there's a company now that's been set up, and what they will do is they will have, you can... Ask for a book. You, you write in like, tell, I'm going to read this book. And instead of reading the book, they send you back a 15-minute synopsis that you can listen to of the book. I just want to tell you, that's just going to make dumb people. It's just going to make dumb people. You can't do that. You have not read a book if what you've done is listen to a 15-minute talk about a book that somebody else has re- written on your behalf. That's just dumb. Like, we know that that's stupid, Right? We know that that's stupid, but we're trying to find quick ways to, to, we're trying to use technology to actually increase the speed in our lives, right? Let me tell you how much we've got caught up in that. When people originally invented email, the plan was you'd be able to work a a three-day working week and you'd have extra time. Yeah, that's the irony, right? The technology was meant to give you extra time. Now we are getting emails in the middle of the night. People aren't even sleeping when they're meant to be sleeping, never mind on the weekend. I don't have my work email on my phone, right? Deliberately don't have work email on my phone. I'm not paid to work when I'm, I'm not paid to work at all, but, so that's another issue. But 
one place, one place I am definitely not paid to work is at home. I'm just be, we we try and come up with these shortcuts for life everywhere. I heard on the radio this morning if you want to like you buy Alexa, Alexa's like the Amazon thing, and you say Alexa, can you do this for me in your house, right? Alexa, Alexa, can you turn on KFM? KFM was why do I need Alexa to turn on KFM for? Just turn the radio on. It's 94, 94.5. My friends from the UK said later they've got everything, so Alexa does everything inside their room. Do you know what their child, their six-year-old child, was saying to Alexa the other day? Alexa, will you spell Willy for me? Will you spell Willy? That's a rude word, right? She, she put a shortcut into her house, like for, for, and the kids are just making it a mockery, a mockery there. There aren't any shortcuts. There are not any shortcuts for intimacy and relationship. If I said to Diana, like, sweetheart, I'd love to hear what your passions are for the next year. If you could write me a 15-minute synopsis, <laughs> record it, and I'll just listen to it on the way to work. In fact, Alexa, Alexa, what would Diana like for the next year? Alexa, it doesn't work. It, there, there isn't a shortcut I can give you for intimacy with a the father. There's really not. You've got to do the hard graft. You've got to put the time aside. You've got to open your scriptures. You've got to read them, listen to them. I don't mind if you listen to those. You've got to get in the car. You've got to put the podcast on. You've got to take time out in silence. You've got to go on retreats. You've got to press pause to some of the TV that you watch and cut some time out for intimacy and prayer. There isn't any shortcuts. Sometimes you will get bored. It's okay. It's fine. Sometimes you will get stuck. It's okay. It's fine. Sometimes you will read passages or be in prayer and there are things you won't understand. It's okay. It's fine. That's what drives us into community with one another. The second point I wrote down is politeness is not required. Some of you have got so polite in your prayer. It sounds so lovely, but it's really just polite words. It's really very polite. You believe that you're talking to the queen, right? So when you pray, you've heard, you know people that pray like this. It's actually like they're praying to the Queen of England. It's not like they're praying to God. God doesn't need you to pray like you're praying to the Queen of England. I understand there's a holiness and there's a reverence to this, but read the Psalms. The Psalmist has the ability to know that God is holy, but yeah, I can be brutally honest with how I feel and go before God. The, and the other points I've already, I've already mentioned and, uh, and gone through in the talk, so I'm not going to take up any extra time. I want to finish, and we're knit, we, we've overrun, and, and I, I'm pretty short. I know, I know, I know, I know. Keep going, keep going. I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> and I, I'm actually finished my notes, so don't encourage me. I, the rest would just be waffle. I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> but <laughs> no, waffle's not good. That's when you get in trouble. That's when you mention rude words that I did a minute ago. Start to waffle. Just stop. Stop when you stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a briar later, you know, I've got to sit up and no, but the, the point is the point is this and I and I wanna hone in and I wanna have fun with you and, and I wanna have that but I wanna wanna also in a godly way be able to just look at you face to face and go, Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want? What Jesus prayed for you, is that not what you want? That his glory would be reflected in you in such a way that the world will look at you and know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't that what we want as a community? Is that not what we desire, that we would know Jesus intimately? That's what I want. I want people to say of me, you know, good and bad stuff about him, but you can't argue that he loves Jesus. 
uh, the, the other stuff was okay, but you cannot, when it's time for me, when it's time for my kids to kind of sum up my life and go there, I want them to stand up and say, my dad modeled something to me, which was that he just loved Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He pushed into a relationship with God and he knew Jesus and he loved Jesus. Is that true of you? And as we come to share communion with one another now, could we just, for 10 more minutes or five more minutes, could we just make that our prayer, that we would push into an intimacy with Jesus? Because there isn't much more intimate than Jesus could have done. Than gone. You see these everyday items that you eat at every meal, bread and wine. This is my body, and this is my blood. Of the early disciples, the critique of them, they said, people said about the disciples, they've gone crazy. They actually are like mutilators of the flesh. They eat, they eat, they eat of the flesh of Jesus. There's not much more intimate than Jesus could have said, which was when you press in and you remember and you eat communion, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood. I'm going to ask Tracy to come up and, uh, and just sing over us. I'm going to ask you if that's okay. You can any of those songs earlier were perfect. Um, I'm going to ask Tracy to sing over us as we share communion. I would like you to do this. I would like you to do it in reverence. In reverence is the right word. I'd like us to do it in reverence. Not that you, I just feel for today that we have this utter understanding that, and, and maybe we just read this scripture again. We read this prayer over us again. Just the bit for us. And I just want you to, to ask yourself, is this your heart's desire to see this prayer achieved in your life? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and, have, and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Why don't you come up reverently? Take the bread and take the wine and remember as we share God's blood and bread and body that we are reminded that he is in us and we are called to an intimate relationship to be within him. Father, as we share together communion, we ask that we may know your glory, that we may see your face. For every heart that's gone hard, I pray as we take of this communion, you would soften our hearts to an intimacy with you. As Tracy sings over us, God, we pray the worship will soften our hearts. As we give glory to you, we long to see your face. As we share in just this brief moment we have to silence our lives before you, we won't rush we won't rush. We just want to go slow. For 10 minutes of our day, we want to go slow and ask that you would commune with us in Jesus' name.
Literally, just take a minute. Just take a minute. Just slow your heart down. The rest of the day has got enough troubles of its own, okay? You won't get this chance again. Just And, and why don't you use literally the next minute to throw something up before the throne of God? What an opportunity. What would you say if you had 60 seconds to place your prayer, your biggest prayer before God? And let's just... Just throw it up in faith that it goes before the throne. we thank you that Jesus prayed for us. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus prayed for us. Father, we thank you that you sent the Spirit to intercede on our behalf. And thank you, Lord, that the Spirit within us has cried out, even this morning, in groans and in utterances and, 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 and heard our hearts cry and laid it at your throne. Thank you that our words have gone into incense and they are poured out before the throne of God. Thank you that you consider our utterances so important that you give them uh, a position before the throne. And Lord, we pray this week that we would press into an intimacy with you. We pray our fast would not go to waste, that we would be those who know what it means to press into intimacy and that our intimacy with you would be an example to the world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to gather in this way again, the place to be is here on Friday, seven at night till seven in the morning. The worship team are here. We worship and pray through the night. If you know God's calling you to a deeper intimacy, mark it in your diary. Maybe an hour, maybe two hours, maybe the whole night. Mark it in your diary to get here on Friday. If not, be blessed. Have a great week. Go and pick up the kids and drink all that coffee that we gave away.